Welcome to the Stepping Into Health podcast. I'm Tamara Ortigal, your show host. This is a place where you will hear amazing stories from real people who have been on the journey to reclaim their health and help others to do the same. We will be talking about food as medicine, as well as traditional and holistic modalities for healing. You will gain insights you can begin to incorporate into your self-care routine today. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm super excited to introduce my guest today. Dr. Amanda McFadden received her bachelor's degree in speech and hearing science from the University of Iowa and her doctorate in audiology from Illinois State University. When she was growing up, Amanda witnessed the effects hearing loss had on her grandfather's life. It impaired his ability to communicate effectively and to maintain relationships with family and friends. She believes that many patients do not realize all they are missing when hearing loss goes untreated. Thankfully, there are options available to help most people restore their hearing. I know you're going to enjoy our conversation today. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Tamara. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm super excited to talk with you today. I think, um, you know, over the years, I've met several people, children and adults with um, hearing loss, and they are super well adapted. So it's great news. But um, I know you have a lot to share in this realm. And uh, it's an important topic. So but to begin with, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I am an audiologist in Chicago. I graduated with my doctorate in audiology three years ago, just over that. Um, I grew up in Naperville, Illinois, went to Neuqua Valley, for those of you from Naperville. Um, And then I went to college at University of Iowa, got my doctorate at Illinois State University in Bloomington Normal. And that is where I graduated from a little over three years ago. What inspired you to become an audiologist, if I could ask you that? Yeah, so um, basically my whole childhood, I knew I wanted to be in a helping profession. I thought I was going to be an elementary school teacher until I started visiting colleges. And then I became interested in becoming a speech language pathologist. And I actually did that for two career speeches, uh, one in middle school and one in high school. And so I thought I was going to be a speech pathologist when I went off to college. And then through my classes, I was introduced to audiology. And once I started taking my audiology courses, I realized I was a lot more interested than a lot of my friends in my classes. Um, So when it became time to apply to grad school, I decided instead of speech pathology that I would become an audiologist. Yeah. That's awesome. I know it's funny how yeah things kind of build on each other and you can have you go this direction or that, but it's still sort of the same theme. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, you have lots of choices and it's cool that you thought to become a, a doctor. So good for you. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm interested in this topic. I have met so many amazing people. My youngest son, Jonathan had a very good friend in elementary school through high school who, um, had some hearing loss and got a cochlear implant as a little five-year-old and went on to just be, you know, have an amazing childhood and be a great athlete and a wonderful student and a kind friend. Um, And then he also had a friend whose dad had a stroke and lost his hearing. 
And um, he also is just, gosh, the funniest person I know in the whole world. And, um, you know, very adapted to his uh, disability and um, thriving. And then I recently met a woman who had a, um, she's a barefoot water skier as a young person. And she had uh, took a spill and lost her hearing in that process. And now in her fifties is um, back to barefoot water skiing. And she does public speaking because she still is able to speak. Well, all these people are really able to speak and, um, and just such an inspiration. So I just feel like I keep getting touched with, you know, these situations and these people who, you know, are thriving. And so I want to, I want people to know that, um, you know, hearing loss, you know, as difficult as it is, is something that people cope with. And I also want us all to learn about what can we do to prevent it, to catch it early and things like that. So it's kind of my, my reason for wanting to chat with you today. So you seem to know a wide variety of people with different experiences regarding their hearing loss. Um, it sounds like hearing aids and cochlear implants. Few people know someone who has cochlear implant. So that's a more unique experience. But a lot of the patients I see uh, day in and day out use hearing aids. And most of them have hearing loss that's developed later in life. Um, but quite a few of my patients also have hearing loss that either developed um, in childhood, they were born with it, or even as young adults. Um, it is preventable for most people. It sounds like in the cases you know, Tamara, those people either had an accident or injury, or it was something that developed. I think you said one example of someone developing with aging, and then the other sounds like Jonathan's friend um, was born with hearing loss. So there are all different causes, but the most preventable ones are related to noise exposure. So especially nowadays, headphones, ear-level headphones, AirPods, uh, Bluetooth headphones like Beats are so popular and they are everywhere. I live downtown Chicago and it is so common to see people wearing some type of Bluetooth headphone. The problem is in Chicago especially, we have to turn it up so that we can hear what we're listening to. And that is when we are more at risk. It's not just having the headphones right near our ears, but before headphones were popular, people would put music on the speakers. And so that has a farther distance from your ear than AirPods or other headphones that are right on our ear. Yeah, it is a concern I have. I know I don't use um, that kind of technology and, uh, you know, I, I know I'm kind of old fashioned, but it is because of that. I just worry about the impact of it being right inside my ear and I'd rather, you know, be a little conservative and hopefully save my hearing. Yeah. I do know that they make headphones. Uh, you can buy them on Amazon. I think I recently even saw them at Target, um, but they are mainly used for kids to limit the level of the headphones. So if they are using an iPad, um, they have a limit so that they can't get too loud to a dangerous level. So if you have kids, that's something to consider. It's such a good idea, right? Because now little ones are always using their parents' cell phone to play games or they have their own iPad. And mm -hmm. so they're starting so much younger than, than you did and I did even. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I think one more thing just related to the noise exposure is 
we live in a very noisy world. Humans were not created to live around all this noise. We have technology, we have, you know, sophisticated construction and manufacturing equipment that even if you don't work in those fields, you're exposed to that noise just walking on the street. In Chicago, again, you have the traffic noise, the ambulances. Um, there are so many music events and concerts. Lollapalooza just happened uh, here in Chicago. And of course, they're blasting the music. So if you have normal hearing, by wearing earplugs, you're not missing out on anything. If anything, you're actually going to be more comfortable. Even like an indoor concert venue, you're going to be more comfortable if you're using earplugs than not. And you're going to be able to hear your friend next to you that's telling you something while the music's blaring. Yeah, and can you just wear like the little spongy ones? Is that what you recommend? Yeah, so you can wear those. Uh, there's a couple potential issues with those. The most common is that people actually don't put them deep enough in their ears. Two reasons for that, one, they just don't know what's an appropriate fit if they are in deep enough. And then the other thing too, a lot of people have very small ear canals and they only make the earplug so small. So for most of my patients, I actually recommend if you just go on Amazon, uh, less than 40 or $50, you can find silicone earplugs. They almost look like mini trees because they have little phalanges on them and they come in different sizes. Um, and usually they'll list a size guide. So that might be better for the average user than the cheap phone plugs that don't quite fit right. No, that's such a great idea. Yeah, I love it that they're really, you know, affordable. So anybody mm -hmm. can get them. Yeah. yeah. And then just on that same note, this isn't as easy or as cheap, but if you are a frequent concert goer or you have a noisy job, it may be worth it um, to invest in custom hearing protection. Another group I forgot about, if you're a musician, um, you may want to invest in some custom earpieces. Almost any audiologist takes ear mold impressions and they can guide you to either where to order them from or you can order them from the office themselves. Mm. Yeah, that's such a good idea. We do have a couple um, amateur musicians in my family. And uh, yeah, my brother-in-law um, is a singer and guitarist. My niece is um, actually the lead singer in a band. And uh, yeah, I should definitely make sure that they get checked and, yeah. and get, Just... fitted, get fitted for something. Because mm -hmm. really, a lot of times you're asymptomatic until it's too late. The damage is done. It's irreversible. So you really want to be preventing it. Another misconception just related to that is people think, oh, it takes a long time for my ears to get damaged. It's not just going to happen from one incident. And that's just simply not true. For some people, it's it happens just with one exposure. I have a patient that shot a gun for the first time and her husband had shot it off without hearing protection. No problem. She shot it off one time. Has significant high frequency hearing loss as a result. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we, yeah, some people are more sensitive to things. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. And so, you know, with children, we still have the uh, early intervention at the school mm -hmm. system, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and what age does that go to? Is it just elementary school or do they continue that on? Yeah. So I there's can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, there's a few different steps. So one, if you were born in the year 2000 or later, you would have received a newborn hearing screening. For those of us that were born before that time, a lot of hearing loss was not identified until we went off to school. 
So there's been a huge push to identify hearing loss earlier rather than later. So there's a requirement before the baby leaves the hospital that their hearing's been screened. If they don't pass that newborn hearing screening, they'll usually try again while they're at the hospital. And then if not, you need to follow up with a local audiologist to get some further diagnostic testing to rule out hearing loss. So that's on like the very early <laughs> stages. Um, but then if you do have hearing loss, then there are birth to three services. And then there are services all the way, all the way through school. Um, it's not very common for one audiologist to work only at one school. They typically float within a school district, um, but there is follow-up care throughout. And then typically children that have hearing loss will follow up with their audiologist as well. And so their clinical audiologist will work basically as a care team with their educational audiologist. Mm, okay. Yeah, we should actually promote this in colleges, you know, the way they do the heart screening. Um, mm. We should, you know, yeah. we should probably do something to promote it in colleges, right? Because kids are away from their parents and on their own, uh, you know, having more, more opportunities to go to, you know, loud places. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. There are many times where you leave a noisy restaurant, bar, concert, your ears feel like someone stuffed cotton in them. They're ringing. You wake up in the morning most of the time and you're recovered, but that is a sign of damage. So just like sun damage, we have damage to our ears from noise. Wow. Yeah. That's a good tip for people to realize that. Yeah. If you, if you have that symptom, that's mm -hmm. something to take heed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, um, what do you recommend for adults? Is there some kind of like periodic screening that you do? Yeah. So I would say if you are 50 or older, you should start at least getting a hearing screening. There are some audiologists that will offer free screenings just as a baseline hearing test. And a baseline by definition should be when you have normal hearing. There are plenty of people though that only wait until they are noticing symptoms or their, their spouse has pointed them in the direction of getting hearing help. Um, but I would really say if you're older than 50, that's an easy number to remember. It can't hurt to get your hearing tested. Best case, your hearing's normal. Worst case, you know, okay, I need to protect my ears. I am prone to hearing loss. If you have a family history of hearing loss, so siblings, aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents that you know have hearing loss, you should definitely get your hearing checked out. Mm. So there is a genetic component to it as well. Yeah. So I would say aside from noise, I would say noise is probably your most preventable factor to avoid, but aging and genetics is something that you cannot avoid and you cannot choose or protect yourself against. So there is a huge genetic component. And a lot of times we don't see what's called age-related hearing loss until, you know, 55, 60, 65. But again, it just varies person to person. So you cannot be too cautious by staying ahead of the curve. And again, worst case, you have normal hearing. You don't need to do anything. Um, if your hearing's normal, you don't have hearing concerns. Probably every five years, just to stay on top of it, I would say if there's no hearing loss, there's no need to test your hearing every year. But once there is hearing loss, I would definitely say every year or two years, you want to stay on top of it so that you can have the best treatment and early treatment for the best outcomes. Mm -hmm. And what are some treatment options that you, you know, uh, recommend, you know, kind of the least invasive to the more invasive? Yeah. 
So when it comes to hearing, most hearing loss, at least that I see with aging adults, is sensory neural hearing loss, which means permanent damage to your ears. It's something that will not get better with medication or surgery. And the only treatment for that is hearing aids. Now, hearing aids are not these huge pieces of plastic that sit behind your ears. They have come a long way. So if you know grandparents that had hearing aids, it's a whole different animal now. Um, So in my practice that I work at, we do a lot of hearing aids. We do have to refer to a physician if someone needs a cochlear implant, which is only when they don't benefit from hearing aids. So when it comes to hearing aids, there are more invisible hearing aids. One of our most popular hearing aids is a semi-permanent hearing aid. We put it in your ear. It's invisible. No one would know you're wearing the hearing aid. You sleep with it. You shower with it. You exercise with it. Um, And it's very popular for people who either don't want others to know they're wearing hearing aids, they don't want to mess with batteries, don't want to clean their hearing aids, or they're unable to because they have poor dexterity or arthritis, things like that. If someone starts to lose their hearing, what else do they tend to grapple with? Yeah. I mean, I would say it just goes along with other age-related things. So a lot of my patients tend to have arthritis in their hands. Um, You know, it's nothing that's completely tied to hearing loss. I would say a lot of my patients have cataract surgery or macular degeneration, things like that. Now, something that is tied, which we haven't talked about yet, is dementia. So that is probably the scariest thing that is tied to hearing loss. Um, And that is something we actually just did a big push um, earlier this year at the private practice I work for to work with the Alzheimer's Association because they found that hearing loss is the most modifiable factor in preventing dementia. Interesting. Yeah. So it does not mean if you have hearing loss that goes untreated, you're, you're destined for dementia. But what it means is if you stay on top of your hearing, make sure that you're not going with untreated hearing loss, which means you're getting hearing aids when the hearing aids are needed because you're showing hearing loss. That is something you can do to prevent yourself from getting dementia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a simple thing, right? Mm-hmm. If we can just not be too proud to admit that we're not hearing the way we used to. Right. Yeah. What about diet and supplementation? Are there any recommendations that you have for people to um, protect their hearing? I do not, but I think that's something that's not really focused on in the field currently. That's definitely something um, that has become more popular just, you know, in the medical field in general. So I would be interested to learn about that, but I have not heard anything specifically. Yeah, I really hope they do some research because I always feel like, you know, I promote a plant-based diet. And then if people like, you know, to have meat or seafood, they could sprinkle that in. I, I personally eat more of a Mediterranean style diet. Um, so I'm not hardcore, but I definitely want people eating lots of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I'm, you know, wonder how much that can help just preserve hearing the way it, you know, preserves the rest of your body. Yeah. And I'm sure it wouldn't hurt anything, but yeah, I haven't heard anything mm-hmm. specific to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
can you share a couple of stories of how you've helped a patient or two? Yeah. So one of my patients came in with his daughter and he was the most quiet man and he would not answer any of my questions. His daughter would speak for him all the time. And I just thought, okay, you know, I knew that English wasn't his first language. So I thought maybe that was contributing to that. Um, but his daughter was super friendly and, uh, I just thought, okay, or maybe he's not comfortable with me. It's his first time here. Two weeks later, I fit him with hearing aids. He was an entirely different man, constantly talking, asking me how I'm doing, asking other questions. And I think that is one of the biggest transformations I have seen. And all we did was fit him with hearing aids. He had hearing loss. He was missing out on life around him. We ordered the hearing aids, fit the hearing aids, and he had no idea all that he was missing out on. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I know, I can't even imagine not being able to hear. You know, I just, um, yeah, I, I, gosh, I value that so much. I mean, my eyesight and my hearing, I just value it so much. I just, uh, yeah, um, it's, that's such a great remedy. And, and look at you, you were able to observe his change in personality. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are several examples um, of that. Um, I have another patient um, that she works in a teaching role and knows of a family history of hearing loss, but didn't realize how much it was affecting her. She had her hearing tested years ago, but was told at that time, you don't need hearing aids. Your hearing loss is just in the mild range. And we went over her recent hearing test and I was like, I'm shocked that you have been living your life this way. I mean, I know for the last year plus we've been in a global pandemic, but your life could be so much easier day to day. You must be exhausted from trying so hard to hear everything around you. She had no idea that she was missing so much. One of her friends, thankfully, said, hey, I think you should go get your hearing checked out again because you are not hearing well. Yeah, isn't that true? It's like, I think sometimes we rely on other people for that feedback. You know, you probably shouldn't be shy about, you know, I always hear people say, oh, talk to me out of this side, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because I can hear better, but yet mm -hmm. they don't go and get it checked. But, um, but yeah, we should love each other enough to say, hey, I think that there would be an easy remedy here. Why don't you just go check it out? Right. And I think a lot of times people think that if you can hear, you don't need hearing aids. They think it's like an all or nothing. Like I'm not deaf. I don't need hearing aids. And the thing is, hearing aids are really for that middle ground. It's that your hearing isn't as great as it used to be. And the thing is, it's something so easy to improve. Is it convenient? No. Is chronic illness or other diseases, are those convenient? No. But if the treatment is going to enhance your life and improve your life, then why not? What do you have to lose? Yeah. And does insurance cover hearing aids these days? That is a good question. So it's actually moving more towards that. 
it used to be the case that it was very rare for insurance to cover hearing aids. If they did, it was, it, it's not like they would pay for the whole thing. Now for kids, coverage is a little easier to come by, but for adults, there is not a lot of assistance from the insurance companies from Medicare, which if you think about aging adults, so many people are on Medicare and Medicare does not cover hearing aids. Now, there has been um, an uptick in the Medicare Advantage plans that do offer hearing aids. So um, there's something passed last January where Medicare supplemental plans have to offer the option to have a hearing aid benefit. That doesn't mean every person who has a Medicare plan has the benefit, but they would have the option to pay for a certain plan to get that benefit. Okay. And if someone has to pay for hearing aids out of pocket, uh, is there a range yeah, so there is quite a range and there is something as simple as amplifiers you order online, which I of course would not recommend because you don't know what you're ordering. You don't know what you need. They don't know your hearing. They don't know your lifestyle, um, but that would be on the cheaper end. So you could say, you know, a couple hundred dollars all the way up to several thousand. So seven, $8,000, that's for a pair. Okay. And can you use your FSA or your HSA to pay for hearing aids? So we have had some patients that have tried to do that. I do not handle the payment. So I'm not certain that there is an overlying rule, but we always encourage um, for like expenses at our office, if they want to try to use those cards, we can always try, but we do encourage them to talk to their insurance to find out the ins and outs. And usually if they can't use the card in the office, usually we'll provide a receipt for them to submit to their insurance. Okay. Yeah, I know. I really think it, you know, probably is cost prohibitive for some people and we need to keep finding creative ways to make it possible, you know, for them to, yeah, to make this a priority. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing too, is People expect, oh, this is something I need. Like, this isn't a cosmetic thing. Why do I have to pay so much out of pocket? Why won't Medicare cover this? And I have to think that it's because so many people who have Medicare would need hearing aids. But I don't know. We're seeing that change. So hopefully it continues to change for the better. So it is more accessible because, like you said, not everyone can afford it. Um, the, the cost is a barrier for a lot of people. They're, you know, in the patients I see, sometimes their children have to help them out or, you know, we do offer financing plans, but sometimes people cannot get approved for those. So it does put them in a tough spot because they need help. And, um, you know, there are foundations. Our practice has a foundation called the Fisher Foundation. And then um, some of the hearing aid manufacturers have foundations that help people who cannot afford hearing aids so that they can get access to that. Mm-hmm. And how do you find out about that? Um, Cause I know we have that with um, the medication that my kids take for Crohn's. We have a mm-hmm. co-share program, which is phenomenal um, yeah. and makes the, the medication affordable. I couldn't imagine paying 
the whole fee. So how, how does someone access the, um, the finance, financial, uh, gift that the foundation offers? Yeah. So, um, I would say the audiologist that you're seeing is a good resource to figure out, okay, what are the foundations that you can have access to? Of course, if you're more tech savvy, you can um, do a search. Um, But our particular foundation, um, if you're seen at one of the five locations in Chicagoland, um, we can discuss uh, what the qualifications look like, but basically, you have to prove that you need hearing aids and that you are not able to financially afford them. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I feel like we need to lobby a little bit more, right? In the olden days, it may be people who are working in a manufacturing environment were more prone to hearing loss. But now, like we're talking about, it's, you know, the everyday person listening to music and being out and about in in society can be so impacted by the noise level. So I can imagine that the numbers of people you know, who could be helped is so much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, Is there anything else that we should know about as we, you know, try to make sure we protect our hearing? Hmm. I don't think in regards to protecting hearing, but one other thing that I see frequently at work is um, we do a lot of ear cleaning. So, uh, before a lot of primary care physicians would just do, you know, routine, like, uh, flushing of your ears. If they saw that you had earwax while you were at a checkup. Um, but it's becoming more and more common that primary care physicians, um, due to time constraints or, you know, other things that are taking their time, um, they do not offer wax removal anymore in the office. So, um, there, I would say one thing is most people's ears are self-cleaning. So you don't need to use Q-tips. You don't need to stick bobby pins. Or recently I heard of someone sticking their car keys in their ear. You don't need to use any of those things. Um, they can cause a lot more harm than good. Uh, I have seen a bruised eardrum from someone using a Q-tip and their child ran into their elbow when they were using the Q-tip and left a nice purple mark on their eardrum that Mm -hmm. fortunately for them healed, um, but you can puncture your eardrum. So you don't want to do that. Um, But a simple way, if you feel like your ears need to be cleaned, one, you can schedule an appointment with an audiologist that does earwax removal and see if you need an ear cleaning. If you want to try to do something at home, just a simple half hydrogen peroxide, half rubbing alcohol mix. If you do that in a flush with a bulb syringe, you could just do that couple times a month and uh, that will help keep the earwax buildup down. Hmm, interesting. And do, are, is there some kind of circumstance that causes people to have more wax buildup than other people? I would have to say a lot of it is genetic. So if you have a parent that tended to have a lot of wax buildup, then you're probably more prone to it. Um, The other thing too, if you use earplugs a lot, like if you work around noise, let's say at the airport or in construction and you're using those foam plugs or you sleep with foam plugs every night or any earplugs every night, you may be more prone to the earwax staying in your ear because it's disrupting the natural removal of the wax. Oh, interesting. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, I had heard that, you know, you're really not supposed to use Q-tips and that, you know, a certain amount of wax is protective. And so, yeah, yeah, that is another good point. A lot of people think, oh, my ear's dirty because I, I got some wax out on the washcloth and wax is normal. It's supposed to keep things away from your eardrum. So if a bug flies into your ear, it's supposed to prevent it from getting all the way into your ear canal and your wax actually acts as an insecticide so hopefully you won't have any bugs flying into your ears but if you do your ear will protect itself yeah I know it's so yeah our bodies are designed to you know to be healthy and to work through so many things but then there's always these little hurdles we have to deal with definitely yeah oh my gosh it's so interesting I just think um yeah this this whole field is just it's changing and growing and I hope people will, you know, take the time to, to really think about is my hearing at par um, Mm -hmm. or am I starting to notice that, that things are, you know, changing and to reach out for help because the, the, the actual visit is normally covered by insurance, right? Yeah. So sometimes your initial visit will be complimentary and then otherwise, yeah, a hearing test, most insurances will allow for one test annually So um, that's at least worth getting checked out. And even if your insurance cannot be billed or they don't pay for it, it's something that's minimal, usually $100, $150. It's not an MRI or something super expensive. So that's helpful too. Yeah, I know we have to take the time, right, to get our vision checked and to, you know, go to the dentist and get our hearing checked. These are such, you know, simple things that people tend to avoid. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, there's no, you know, we really need to take a little bit more action to, uh, you know, take those steps to protect those things. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I so appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we end? I don't think so. I think that. Okay. Yeah. Well, if someone wanted to come see you in Chicago, what is the name of your practice? Yeah. So I work at Hearing Health Center, which is right at Michigan and Ontario downtown. But we also have an Oak Brook office, a Naperville office, a Highland Park office, and then a satellite location in Park Ridge. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you will add a hearing checkup to your annual health maintenance schedule. Just like dental exams and physical exams, the earlier you catch an issue, the easier it is to remedy. Be sure to click on the links in the show notes to learn more about Dr. McFadden's practice and about a wonderful nonprofit organization called Child's Voice that supports kids with hearing loss. For a dose of inspiration, please read my friend Karen's story. If you like this podcast, please share it with someone you love and be sure to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to all of our episodes. We would be grateful for your five-star rating. Help us continue building a community where we can all learn together. Have a wonderful day. Be well.